0: Welcome to Get Your Book Seen and Sold. I am your host, Claudine Wolk. You can find me at my Substack account, claudinewolk.substack.com. We're talking all about publishing and book marketing. If you have decided that you want to write a book and you're trying to figure out how to publish it, or maybe you've already written a book and you're trying to figure out how to market it, this is the podcast slash Substack for you. Our goal is to give you great tips, by example in some cases, to help you get your book seen and sold. So join us through the newsletter or the podcast today and get your book seen and sold. Hey, Get Your Book Seen and Sold podcast listeners, I added a couple of goodies to my Substack account if you would like to be a subscriber. At the $50 a year level, you will get a fill-in-the-blank book marketing plan. And at the $100 level, you will get not only the book marketing plan, but also a half an hour consultation with me via Zoom. Sign up today. Welcome to Get Your Book Seen and Sold. I'm your host, Claudine Walk. With us today is Sarah Stife. Did I say that right? I messed it up already, didn't I? Yes. No, you didn't. That's right. It is right. Okay, Stife. It is right. (laughs) Yay! Okay, good. Okay, so Sarah and I met on Substack. Yay! We're going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, later on in the interview. But Sarah is the author of Embracing the Journey, Learning to Grow When Life Doesn't Work Out as Planned. And you can find that wherever books are sold. Her website and uh, sub stack is Sarah S-T-Y-F dot sub dot com. And we're going to talk about her her book and also her publishing journey. Thanks so much, Sarah, for being with us. Thank you for having me. So tell us about your book.
1: What What is On the Journey all about? Okay, so the subject is On the Journey. The book is Embracing the Journey. And I was inspired after reading a couple books of essay. I'm, a, I'm an English teacher, so I'm also an avid reader. Um, I had read John Green's Anthropocene Reviewed, and I had read a couple other nonfiction books that were essay-driven. And I was like, you know what? I have a bunch of blog posts that I've been writing for the last eight-plus years, why not take some of them that really need something to me that I want to have in binding for my own kids to have someday um, and just see what would happen with self-publishing. So I selected four categories of essays. Um, the first one was growth. so I could talk about just growing from my 20s to my 30s and then my 40s. Um, and then the next section was place because I have been fairly nomadic throughout my life. My parents moved me to, I lived in four different states and four different time zones. I we mean, we lived in five different places before I turned 18. So i <laughs> I, I saw the country. Um, and while my husband and I spent most of our marriage in Indiana, we're Michiganders at heart, but while we spent most of our marriage in Indiana, we did spend six years in Texas and we had just moved back to Indiana. So I thought uh, we'll do a section on place. I did a section on motherhood because I've been a mom now for almost 14 years. And so there's a lot of my writing that has had to do with just the journey of of being a mom and what that's been like. And then I finished with healing. We had had a really rough last year in Texas. And so I decided to just go through all the pieces where I was processing all of that and then add a couple of pieces to help fill in the gaps where I needed to fill in the gaps. So that gave me a book that allowed me to put everything into perspective and kind of see a through line from point A to point B and also the the winding that goes to from point A to point B. And it gives me something that again I can have, and I can say, "Hey, kids, this, this is this is my first attempt at showing you a piece of your mom's life, and you have it now." So they both have signed copies in their rooms; they're very proud.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that is so lovely. Okay, so that's embracing the journey.
1: And when did the book come out? Uh, at the end of January. Oh wow! So it's a brand and- new release. Yeah, it's a new release. Um, So slowly making traction on Amazon, because it's an Amazon publishing book. Um, I'm doing a local book signing in a week and a half here in Indianapolis at one of our nonprofit bookstores in downtown. Um, So hoping to see some former students and some friends that are going to pop in there. And uh, just going to keep... Pushing forward with it, I mean, I think I I saw it as like a first attempt just to see what I could do and what I could learn about publishing, and seeing it as a learning experience. And you know, breaking even would be great. So (laughs) if I can figure out a way to break even and do better than break even, that'd be fantastic. Because I think the dream for every writer is to actually get paid for a little bit for what they do at least. Um, And then I, I have another project that I've started working on that I'm hoping to get finished before the end of the year. So I'm taking the lessons I've learned on this one for a more cohesive memoir piece that then I will finish by the end of 2023, as long as my summer is not nearly as packed as last summer. (laughs) And then I should have, as a teacher, I'm kind of holding on to those six weeks that I may or may not have in June and July, besides family vacation time to, to get that work completed and get it to a beta team so that they can give me enough feedback in time for me to then do my revisions and everything else. Nice. Did you use a beta team for the first book? I did. I had a beta team for this one, um, and it was a collection of people I knew from various stages of my life. Um, As an English teacher and as an English major, I have quite a few people that are in just the reading, writing world maybe not professionally, but that they're just exposed to it all the time. And then I had a few Facebook friends too that I was like, can you be on the team? So I tried to keep it they all knew me in different ways so that as they were reading it, they could give me different feedback. And it was really helpful. So I had a Google Doc and they were all making comments in the Google doc and I was able to answer questions and then make revisions as they were answering questions as they're asking questions. And I set up a Facebook group too so that we could talk about things like I changed the title. I think I had accepting the journey or something like that initially and then change it to embracing the journey. So like we had, we worked on title together and then I was trying to figure out the order of my essays and they, a couple of them said, I think you should rearrange it. So then things got rearranged. And so it was really helpful because obviously as a writer, you can never see everything. You can only see what you see and you can't see it from a reader's perspective. So they were really instrumental in helping, make it better than it would have been had it just been me trusting myself.
0: So for anyone who doesn't understand what beta readers are, you know, maybe they're just getting started and they're listening to the podcast and they want to learn how they can be writers and put a manuscript and a book together. Can you explain that?
1: Um, So alpha readers are basically, we're going to down the alphabet. An alpha reader is going to be somebody who just like initial saw the piece so they're not really getting any feedback and it's your really your first draft um, I'm actually re re-re- rereading right now as I'm walking around my room checking in with my students um, Stephen Kane's book on writing and he talks about ta- writing with the door closed and the writing with the door open and the door closed is you allowing a couple people in to see that first draft Um but really you don't want that many people to see the first draft. And then the beta team actually digs in and they read it, but it's not the complete, it's not done. Like it hasn't been through a thorough edit. It hasn't been through um, anybody professional looking through it and making sure that all the pieces are together. But that beta team is the one that gives you your feedback so they can tell you does your plot work, does your structure work. Do you have things you don't need that you need to take out? Are there things that you need that you need to add to the to the manuscript because they don't understand it? And if they don't understand it, then another reader that doesn't know you isn't going to understand it at all. Um, and so it's you throwing the door open and letting some letting a small team of other people look at it before you finish your final draft and send it to an editor. So. And I had an editor in the wings because I had a teacher friend who does editing work. And so I she didn't want to see it until I was finished. And so I didn't send it to her until I was like, okay, I feel good about it. And she had initially started going through it really meticulously. And then she was like, well, how meticulous do you really want me to be? <laughs> I said, this this particular one, I really am happy with the way it is. So unless you see something glaring that you're like, I think that this needs to be fixed after everyone else has been through it, then I'll fix that. But for the most part, let's, let's leave this one as is. And so there were a couple of things that she had me take out that she just didn't think fit. But for the most part, she left everything as is and fixed all of my commas and, or my lack thereof. <laughs> and a couple other things, too. Because Contrary to popular belief, English teachers are not grammar nazis either. Like we, we know we're not the perfect. We're not perfect when it comes to spelling and grammar either. We have we make mistakes as well. So,
0: gosh, so many things that were said there. Okay, so the the (laughs) was it difficult to hand your baby over for beta readers to to read and also to take any potential criticism or did they all love it?
1: I think the hardest thing. I had already, because a lot of them were blog pieces I had already written, but I did a lot of revision on them, it wasn't as scary because I wasn't, no. it wasn't like no one had ever seen it before. Other people had seen it and maybe had given feedback, but because, you know, there were small, some of them were small blog pieces that like a handful of people read. So it wasn't like a lot of people had read them. Um, But what was scariest is this was probably the most vulnerable vulnerable I've ever been with my writing, and so for me to say, "Hey, can you give me honest feedback?" I was trying really hard not to see anything as a personal attack because it wasn't. I knew they loved me, and I knew they're all people who love me and generally care about me and want what's best for me. So they weren't going to attack me. But it, it was I had to take criticism with like a, "Oh wait, this is something that." other readers that don't know me are really going to need to know or they're really going to need um, extra background on this or they don't need to know this. This is not something that they need to have. Um, so it's a hard? Yes. Um, I, I think it's hard for anyone to open things up to criticism, but when you're realizing you're sending it out into the world world, you want that criticism first before you send it out to complete strangers who are going to potentially be not as nice. Yeah. as your friends. That's a,
0: a, that's a really great point, Sarah. And I, I did enter an interview with another author once who talked a little bit about beta readers. And she said, you don't have to take their input, you know, at the end, it's your decision. And also, if she found that more than one person, or maybe, you know, a, a handful of people were saying the same thing, she took it a lot more seriously, the, the comments. Yeah.
1: yeah, there were a couple of times that there was disagreement. And I was like, no, this, this is what it needs to be that this, I, I need to say it this way, or I need to leave this in, or I need to put it in this order. And everybody's like, okay, well that works. No, but there was no contention about whether or not I needed to listen to what they had to say. Cause I, and you know, they're volunteering their time. I think that's the crazy thing too. You think about beta reader and it's a volunteer work. They're not doing it for pay. Um, I did give all of them a free subs- paid subscription to my sub stack for a full year. <laughs> I was like, I think you earned it. Yeah, <laughs> You can have a paid subscription to a substack for a full year, but um, you know that they're putting their own time and energy into it. And so you're appreciative of it too, because they're putting more work into it than a regular reader is going to put into it. And, um, and they earned it. Yes. I, I had people on the team that really earned, but nice. the book ended up becoming.
0: Yeah. Which is a very, very kind thing for someone to do because it's so mm. important you know, to, to you it as, is. as the author. It is. You want to get it right. Yeah. The other thing that you mentioned, speaking of getting it right, is you had a professional editor go through it with a fine tooth comb. And it's something that comes up in the Get Your Book Seen and Sold uh, podcast or in the sub stack where we talk about marketing and the marketing budget. And if you are self-publishing, you, paying an editor, sometimes you feel like, well, I can get my Aunt Clara to, to read it. How important is an editor to you completing your book?
1: I think if you're going to spend any money on anything, you spend money on the editor. That's why I said when it comes to breaking even because doing it through Amazon publishing, the publishing itself is free. So you, you send it to Amazon and you don't have to pay anything for it and except for paying for proof copies or whatever so that you can actually look at it, but that's nothing. Um, but it, if you really want it to be good and you really want it to not have significant criticism when it goes out there, because you don't want to put something out that has so many errors. And let's just be honest. I think people think that if you go through the professional publisher and they have their publishing team, that it's going to be error free. It's not. think um, <laughs> read a lot of books and I see a lot of errors and some of them drive me crazy because I know that they're really good writers, but everyone misses something. Even professional editors miss things. But paying someone who is trustworthy, who is willing to put the time into it and knows what they're doing matters because you want it to look good. You want it to be easy to read. You don't want to have those problems. And the only way to do that is to have somebody else do it. And I think you have to, there's a lot of discussions in the creative world about how a lot of creatives are expected to give their work away for free. You know, my sister-in-law does professional tie dyeing. She has a booth. She goes to all sorts of set festivals throughout Florida all the time. Um, And she's not going to just give that. That is, Art and she has puts a lot of time and effort into it, and so she's just not giving it away for free. She's not going to just give it away at cost because the the man hours are significant, and it's the same thing for if you have a friend who's a graphic designer and you're just going to be like, hey, can you just do this for me? I have a, a friend who did my cover. I I did all the cover work, but he did the cover art for me, and. I paid him to do the, co- to do the watercolor they did for the color cover art. Cause I was like, I, I told him, you know, you're an artist, you're an art teacher, but you're also an artist. And so I, I feel like you deserve to be paid for that too. So it is something that we need to do better of, I think as a society. And I think also as creators, if we want to be paid for our work, then we need to be paying other people for their work. So it, it kind of, To change the ecosystem and understanding that everyone sees the value in the work you put into something.
0: Yeah, I I have to say I agree with you there, Sarah, for sure. So in your situation, you decided to self-publish. Was that a tough decision to make?
1: Um, I don't know if it was really a hard decision to make once I finally made it. When I decided that that's what I wanted to do, when I decided I wanted the book, I was like, I could have gone the traditional route. And I actually wrote a whole subsect piece about it because I was like, I could have gone traditional route and I could have been looking for a publisher and doing submissions. But this was a piece that was timely. And I knew that the pieces that were going, especially in that last section of my book, they I wanted, didn't want to wait a year and a half to see it in print. Cause if I wait a year, I have to see it in print. It wasn't going to be as timely as it is right now. Cause this is where the book was published, where I was in January. Where I was personally in January is where that, when that book was published. And the traditional route, you've got to wait. It's not just the queries, it's not just the work that goes into it. And when you're a teacher, there's a lot of work that, side work that you don't want to put in on, on top of that. But, to, to find an agent to do the queries, to wait for a response, and to find out whether or not you got that publisher to look at your piece, or if you have to go on with the next one, um, it it wasn't that hard. To to say let's let's try the self publishing, and then you know when I get more subscribers and I'm able to say I have a bigger audience than maybe on the next one I do try to pursue professional publishing um but the self-publishing made sense to me at this particular juncture and I don't regret it and anyway, it's hard to sell a lot of copies even if you go the traditional route right? it's right. not that they sell automatically and more and more a lot of traditional publishers are asking you to do your own marketing anyway so if I have to do my own marketing anyway,
0: yeah, I might exactly, as well do this. Absolutely true. And no matter if you traditionally publish or self-publish, you are going to be expected to market your book, and that's going to mean a certain amount of money. Um, so I agree with you there. And and the the self-publishing itself, how did you learn how to do it?
1: Uh, YouTube videos and trial and error. <laughs> uh, I you know as someone who wrote. On Microsoft Word basically from my freshman. I've been writing on Microsoft Word since 1997. So someone has been using Microsoft Word since 1997, I learned things on Microsoft Word that I never knew existed before. I was learning how to put hyphens in words and just automatically format with hyphens. And I was learning how to set up my margins. And I was learning like all the things. I was learning how to set up the sections. Um, and there were a couple frustrating moments. But I did a lot of YouTube research and if I didn't know how to do it, I would take a deep breath and after I almost wanted to cry, I would go to YouTube and I would watch the video and be like, oh, I feel silly now. I should." It really wasn't that hard. Um, I was a yearbook advisor for six years and so there was something almost therapeutic about the process of just slowly going through and formatting and typesetting and figuring out all of that because it is a process that isn't about making sure the words are all right. It's just making sure everything looks the way you want it to look. And so it was kind of fun. It, it was I I found it fun to learn something new. I found it fun to to put everything the way I wanted it. And if it didn't turn out right the first time I was like, okay, well then I guess we're just going to make this change. And so I made a few changes. I ended up, I think the final draft of the book ended up being four pages longer than my first proof copy because I changed the inside margin because they were, it was too tight. And so I wanted to make it a little bit wider. Um, and I, I've kind of gotten practice on doing the self-editing for a while because a friend and I started a podcast two years ago. And when we started the podcast, I took on the audio editing because at the time I wasn't working. And so I have learned how to do that as well. Yeah. I, I think just learning how to do things for yourself, yeah, it would be really nice if somebody else to take over some of that work. But there is something very satisfying about being like, hey, look, I did this this was me. This wasn't somebody else doing it. I did this. And it, it felt really good. And I know that the next time around, it's going to be easier. I know now what things I need to make sure are exactly the way they are. And I know how to change my spacing. And I know how to do those things in ways I didn't know how to do before. And if I can't figure it out next time, I'll do another YouTube video.
0: It's <laughs> such a great point. Because when you publish or even bookmark it, it's a whole new language. It's a whole new world. You know, you feel like you have to learn something, you know, from all something completely different all over again, like a foreign language almost. And uh, I I found the same tip to be very useful, which is watch it. Don't panic and cry and lay in the fetal position. (laughs) Go back and watch it again. And it's, or even again, if you have to, eventually it'll start to make
1: sense. Yeah. There were a few that I actually subscribed to just because I was like, I want to be able to find them easily again (laughs) and not have to worry about finding them after that. But yes, it, it is a process that if you are if you have the time, and even if you don't have the time, it wasn't like I really had the time. I was kind of putting myself under – I set my own time boundaries, which I think was the hardest thing about self-publishing was because I set my deadlines, and so when you set your own deadlines, it's really easy to say, but I have this this weekend, so I can't get that done for, for whatever reason. Um, and I've tried to set really hard deadlines, which – are arbitrary for my Substack, but doing it for my book was a little bit harder because it wasn't out there yet. So I didn't have anyone that was subscribed and was waiting for it. So
0: right, right, okay. So, so how did you find in the time we have left? How how did you find Substack as a way to promote your book? And how often do you write on your Substack? And it's called. We said it's called. Um, it's on the journey. On the journey
1: which keeps expanding to a lot of different categories. (laughs) Um, I started using Substack a a year ago, actually. I started in March a year ago. And I switched over because I I had a WordPress blog. I had a WordPress.com blog, but then I got a WordPress.org blog, which I had moved over. um, And I just needed a fresh, I I needed a fresh start. I needed to, to re, I needed to, change how I saw my writing and how I was doing my writing and how it was marketing my writing. And I saw a subsec knowing that I could move to paid subscribers, which is really small at this point. But, um, I knew that that was a possibility in the future. Um, I had picked up podcasting with a, with a friend two years ago and I saw the possibility of podcasting. And I was like, Oh, well that's something that I could consider. Um, and so I have, Done some podcast episodes that have been travel podcast episodes, but I think I might try to, depending on how summer goes, I might try to do like a mini series and just bring out occasional mini series for that. So it gave me options there. Um, and I saw it as a way for me to just keep networking. I think the networking with Substack is phenomenal. I have really appreciated the fact that. I can meet people like you in office hours. And as you find people to follow, I have been trying to break away more and more from different social media platforms. So like I'm hardly ever on Facebook anymore. I took it off my phone, which changes everything when you take it off your phone. Yeah, it really did. I, cause I have to be on my computer at home. I can't be at school on it. I can't um, do it when I'm out and about. Um, so I was trying to break away from doing that more, and I'm kind of glad that Instagram went back to its original algorithms and it's not now. I'm actually seeing my friends, so I might be on Instagram a little bit more now, yes. again. Um, but with changes at Twitter too, it just felt like I needed to break away from the the total dependency on social media. And I have found my, I have my re, I have more readers, but I also have more consistent readers because they're getting the emails as opposed to them getting lost in MailChimp. So instead of those newsletters, things getting lost, they're, they're going to them. Um, I love my Substack reader app. I love it because I don't have to get the emails and I just go to my reader app and I, they pop up and I can listen to podcasts and I can do all of that on my phone or on my tablet, whatever I want to do that with. And, um, so it's helped because I can consistently that with my book, I can do that consistently. I can say, Hey, these were excerpts. And so I've been trying to also mm-hmm. share some excerpts. I've done some YouTube videos where I've read pieces of some chapters just to put that out there. And what I'm doing now is my next book that I have planned is actually a camping memoir, which I started five years ago <laughs> because as a family, our travel is a camp and we have moved to a travel trailer We no longer use tents, except for the kids occasionally use tents. But there's been a whole process in 21 years of marriage where this has been just a part of our story. And so I started it five years ago thinking it was going to be one thing, took a break. And as I was outlining it a couple weeks ago, I'm discovering that there's changes I want to put in. And I'm really excited about it. So I'm going to use Substack for it. So my paid subscribers are going to get one to two chapters a month of basically make them my alpha readers before I do revisions and then hand them over to my beta team and, and say, here's the whole work for my beta team. So that doesn't mean ev- all the chapters are going to go out to my sub stack just because I'm hoping <laughs> to have the book finished before they would have time to get all of them. <laughs> um, but I'm hoping that in doing that I can get a few more people excited about it and they can see the pieces, and they can see the process, and they can see where it's going. And then there's a reason to be excited about having it actually in paperback form or having it on a Kindle and reading the whole thing together instead of trying to go through different blog posts. Um, And for those people who aren't paid subscribers that are just my regular free subscribers, they're still getting excerpts because they're getting the first part before. They're getting that preview part. So they're getting to see the bits and pieces of it before it comes out. Um so I see that as a great potential. And I know there's a lot of people that are doing serial type things, but there's short stories or they're doing novels and, and stuff like that in Substack. And I think that there's a new it's it's kind of a renaissance of sorts of the way things used to be, where you put things out on your blog or you put things out in other ways to get them out to people. And I think we're kind of going back to almost a hybrid now where it's a, it's a hybrid of the way things used to be, but also we're using what we've learned about social media to kind of like merge the two things. And I'm excited about the possibilities. And I added one other element to my pay subscribers is I've got a whole um, series of newsletters that I'm planning on, on, breaking down just church trauma and so i'm going to be doing one to two of those a month too wow. just to process for myself which will probably eventually be another book there but but just allow me to process things over a longer period of time and then take those pieces and whatever research and everything else i collect from that and make something more of it so i see i've seen my blog for the last eight years as a workshop it's always been a workshop so turning Substack into a more public and more – a workshop with better traffic because that's basically what it is. It's just I get better traffic on Substack than I ever got on a blog, and I feel like that has been huge.
0: I love stuff. I can't even say it, but I love it, (laughs) Substack, because um, I did the blog thing too, been at this for a long time, and um, it seems to me that they've mastered the platform. It's easy to use. It's kind of fun mm-hmm. to use and you can find your target readers right there. You don't need the whole world. You just need folks who are interested in your topic and are coming to you. And then you don't have to manage that list. It's fabulous.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Super I, I I know <clears throat> that it's still important to occasionally share it on social media. And I it's always the trick is trying to get other people to share your work with other people. That's always the trick, right? Um, because you, it's word of mouth. That's how creators get out. They get, they get out with word of mouth, which is why you do things like go on somebody else's podcast. (laughs) (laughs) That's important. Otherwise nobody knows you exist. That's right.
0: Um, we're setting a great example, Sarah.
1: (laughs) Trying to, yes. (laughs) but I mean, it's just, it's how you grow. And I, and I think for most people, and I think this is a lot of people on uh, Substack at least, so this is this is the feeling I'm getting, is that for a lot of people, it's not that everybody's looking for the big, huge audience. They're not looking to have thousands upon thousands of followers. They're not. They would love that many subscribers, but no, they're not. It's not like that game that you always had to play with social media, like with Instagram or Facebook and, and Twitter, and you're just trying to get more followers, more and more this is way more engaged you know how engaged your readers are because you know how many of them are actually opening the emails and you know how many of them are actually responding to you and so it's not just by algorithm it's on my app it's literally the order in which they're published so if somebody publishes something it's like oh this person just published this article i should probably read it if i have time and then i feel bad because i have so many that i don't actually get to because they're so far down the line but i get to them when I can. And so it you don't feel like you have to fight this trending news type of thing. Instead, you're just, things pop up when they pop up. And whenever you are able to publish, you publish. And your readers are happy. That's awesome.
0: It's, it is pretty great. So Sarah Stife, thank you so much for being with us. Where um, We've got the book, which is Embracing the Journey. We've got the Substack account, which is on the journey. And where is your favorite place for people to find you? Can you give us the social that you like them to go on?
1: Um, we could uh, probably guess. Be Sarah. Yeah, for Instagram, <laughs> it would be Sarah.Stife on Instagram. Perfect. Perfect. Um, I also have a Facebook page, but on my Instagram, I have a a link tree, which has everything. So it has my Twitter account and it has my, which I'm on still occasionally, and it has my Facebook page and it has my blogs. So
0: awesome, everything's there. Terrific. And before we let you go, what's the one message that you hope that readers take away from your book, Embracing the Journey?
1: That change happens and there's nothing we can do about it, but when you... learn to lean into that change you can find healing and you can find things you didn't think you would before you can find out more about yourself and more about life and it's not easy but there is light at the end of the tunnel
0: fantastic i can't wait to read it thank you so much sarah for being with us i appreciate you'll come back
1: yeah sure absolutely
0: awesome (laughs) when i finish the next book Sounds good. Sounds like a plan. Very good. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. And you are listening to Get Your Book Seen and Sold. You've been listening to Get Your Book Seen and Sold with Claudine Walk. My Substack account, claudinewalk.substack.com. Sign up for my newsletter today.